This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. I think it's uh, a menage a trois of, uh, of wins for Naito. And off to Wrestle Kingdom we go! Now, we do have to touch on the possibility that Naito doesn't win. Just for the, I've said it before, just for the absolute meltdown. They've been told to wait, and they've been told to wait, and they have been told to wait, and they have been given a little taste of a title. No, this, this you know, is the last point, chance saloon for Naito, isn't it? Right. It really, if I mean, he, if he has, doesn't win this G1, then he's not getting it. He's not getting it ever. And I said it before. I said if he if he doesn't, I don't know if he stays with the company. Why why would he? Your guy is a fucking geek. Right? I don't think he's a geek. I don't think they should put him as a geek. But if he loses, he's a fucking geek. Everybody and welcome to the Super J Cast. I'm Joel Abraham, joined by Damon McDonald. And Damon, the wrestling world is reeling from the shocking and devastating news that Doki's profile has been removed from the New Japan website. It's terrible news, and I know our people will be uh, up in arms and shocked and, and upset by that news, Joel. But uh, unfortunately, we might have to skip that because. I don't know if you heard, but we've had quite a few, quite a few moments uh, in New Japan Pro Wrestling over the past couple of days that we'll probably have to address first. Um, with full of emotion, it's five o'clock in, in the morning, five thirty maybe uh, for me here on the East Coast, and it's five in the afternoon, and we have just got done. What I would feel would be the best G One of all time, and I think Joel. I don't want to speak for him, but I think he would agree. But uh, yeah, look, it's it's been crazy. It's been full of emotion and full of uh, craziness in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. So I, I think we got a little bit more to talk about than Doki and uh, and the lack of profile on the website. Let's get straight into it then. So top of the cards today at Budokan Hall, we had the G1 Climax Final with Kota Ibushi defeating Jay White with a Kamigoye. And it was difficult for me to know what order to talk about things. We've got so much to talk about. And obviously, Tetsuya Naito is someone that we are going to come on to in due course. And a lot of upset and heartbreak about that. But with all that happened, I felt that really fed in to the main event today. And when Jay White walked out into that ring, he felt like the hottest heel in wrestling there was an absolutely rabid crowd. They were desperate to see Ibushi knee him in the face. It's like last night, Jay White took Naito's soul and he took it into that match and that gave it just so much extra fire and passion. And I love this match, Damon. Uh, he felt like a star and I thought this was a five-star match. I absolutely adored it. And I know lots of people might 
disagree. Some people are going to be talking about Jay White and saying that it's bad heel heat. To me, it felt like good heel heat because it felt like you had 12,000 odd people, all of them screaming for Ibushi to win. And when does that ever happen? Often in G1s, we have two guys who were beloved by the, the crowd. You know, like last year, we had Ibushi and Tanahashi and the, the chanting is split. But here, I just thought Jay White did a masterful job of getting every single person in that building to hate him. I mean, Jay White's heel work, for me, is second to none. He's just a master at it. Every little thing he does is carefully and expertly crafted to piss off everyone. Yeah. Like, 100% of people cheering for Ibushi. And it just feels so simple to me. It's just pro wrestling one-on-one. You build up your heel as an absolute shitbag. Everyone hates them. And then at the end, Hero comes in, smashes his face in. And for a lot of people, it might not be the hero that you wanted. But to me, Ibushi feels like the guy now. And that was just a huge factor going into this match. And I love the match. All the... There were the run-ins and the... Gado interference and the shenanigans and all that but I just I felt that helped the match and it wouldn't have made sense for me for Jay White to be doing that all through the G1 and then oh I'm not going to do it in the final why would he do that and I don't it, it just worked for me and just little moments like when we had the murder Kota slap fest and Kota's just slapping the shit out of Jay White and then in the middle of that Jay White just grabs his leg and does the dragon screw leg whip and just cuts it dead in the middle of the, the combat there. And it just speaks to me how brilliant Jay White's sense of timing and, and match structure is. And just the way it went back and forth, like the we had the Gato interference and then Jay White did the sleeper suplex and then Ibushi just pops straight back up and hits him with a bombay. I, I love this match, Damon. What did you think of it? <sighs> well, this is why we do a show, right? And this is why we get together and talk. New Japan Pro Wrestling, because if we had the same exact opinions, that would make for a pretty dull and boring show constantly. Um, hmm. I agree with you in the sense of, yes, this is a magical time, because for once, we got a guy who can manipulate not only the people that are watching in the crowd and... Well, you know, I hate to to put people in buckets, but the casuals, but also, you know, it just as equally infuriate, you know, the hardcore fans. Um, there's the he, across the board. Now, again, there are people that love Jay White, but in all honesty, he is the one guy. Dare I say, almost in all of pro wrestling, I'm, I'm really having a, a difficult time trying to think of another guy who is. A true, honest to God, one hundred percent heel. Uh, in every sense of the word, at every at every turn. That's good. I think that that's that's good. And again, I question: Do we need a heel in two thousand and nineteen? I guess I guess we do. I, I guess we do. I guess there's still room for that in pro wrestling in two thousand and nineteen. And I think that is an A-plus performance from Jay White. A lot of this has to do with what I like in pro wrestling, and and not only what I like, but where I like it. Um, There were times in this match that 
not that I got taken out of it by all the interference and the nonsense and all that. I just didn't feel like this felt to me like a G1 final main event. And I know people might disagree with me on that, but I got to give you it right out of the gate. I, I, I was nowhere near what people were, what I was seeing online. I was nowhere near. And, and, and Joel, you did break up. We do have the, our, our internet issues. But I just want, need to confirm. Did you give this five? I did. Wow. Full five for me. Wow. Do you think this was better than Shingo and Ishii? It was different. This was, like I say, just basic pro wrestling where there's one guy in there I absolutely hate and another guy that I really like. And I wanted to see the guy that I like kick the bad guy's head off. And it's not okay. often that I feel like that when I'm watching pro wrestling. Sometimes I get so caught up in, you know, the booking of it and the, you know, how many stars is this going to get and what's this guy's average star rating that I forget at the heart of it. Pro wrestling is something that I love because it makes me feel things. It makes me have emotions. And when I have an emotional connection to a match as deeply as I did for this one, given everything that happened the, the night before, to have me on the edge of my seat like that, you know, fist pumping, cheering, just urging Ibushi to kick Jay White's head off, then to me, that is pro wrestling at its best. And, 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 and that absolutely happened because for the first time in many, many moons, I'm, I'm on my couch rooting like a 12-year-old. A twelve-year-old Damien, um, for Kota Ibushi to do exactly what you said, and so in that in that essence, in that in, in that definition of pro wrestling, this absolutely did what it wanted to do. And think about it too, Kota Ibushi. Is there any better baby face, maybe besides Juice? And you're not going to put Juice at that level, right? To put in that role. Would that would that match have have accomplished what it needed to accomplish if Naito were in that role? I mean that look. I mean it, it's clear as day now, but that's this is exactly what they wanted to have happen in the sense of having an ultimate babyface in Kota Ibushi and an ultimate heel in Jay White do exactly what it it, it did. So. Yeah, in that sense, it was a masterful performance. It was a masterful performance. Again, a lot of what I like pro wrestling to be and what I enjoy out of pro wrestling is that match, is that is the physical combativeness of pro wrestling, the sport element of it. Um, so to me, when I get that chemical reaction, I think I get it more with a Shingo and Ishii but maybe, maybe I haven't felt this way in a long while, and I don't know how to feel, right? Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on right now. So maybe, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, they played me like a fucking fiddle. Like a fiddle. And people like me, like a, like a fiddle. Both of us. Yeah. I mean, you listen yeah. to the cold open of this show. Yeah. Both of us are eating a massive L because yeah. we thought one thing was going to happen and a different thing happened, and we were absolutely stunned by it. Right, to the very end. Like, this is, you know, all we had to do was pick two matches, and we fucking took L's both, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't that hard, guys. Let, let me tell you this, David. I am very grateful that that betting company in the UK did not uh, authorize my <laughs> subscription there, because, oh boy, yeah. I would be in big trouble with my wife right now. Yeah. 
Yeah. How about that? A little blessing in disguise, right? Good, good. They saved you. They saved your ass on that one. Ah, that is funny. Um, Look, again, it might not have been for me a a match. This is going to be really polarizing. You know that, Joel. You th- yeah, give me snowflakes. Where do you where do you stand on the match? For for like four and a quarter, four and a quarter for the match. All right, so we're not we're not miles apart then. I mean, we're not talking miles. three quarters of a star. Yeah, I mean, look, they're they're they're, they're still good pro wrestlers, and they're and, you know, it's, we're not, you know, I'm not like threes or anything like that. But but it but here's a perfect example of what you. Like in pro wrestling helps dictate that opinion, and it's like a, to me again that rating is more along the lines of okay, like a like a like a music review where you kind of get a feel for the the music and the genres that the the people like, um, so you can kind of figure okay that one's probably going to get a, ranked a little bit higher than this one, um, but but no I didn't think it was awful I don't think it was one of the best G one finals I've ever seen that's for sure. But I, I can't, I'm trying to think of another G1 final that had that much pro wrestling emotion. I can't think of a – I'm trying to think of a, a weekend that has had that much pro wrestling emotion in a real, real, real long time. Let me frame it like this. So if the end game is Ibushi win the G1, then you have to craft your final around that. So – given two choices either one you have Ibushi taken out the ultimate heel dickhead sleazebag Jay White in a match that is has its fair share of shenanigans and is going to be divisive to some people but you are emotionally invested or he has a match against Naito for the fourth time this year where it's split 50-50 and they're going to do a lot of crazy dangerous moves drop each other on their heads a lot I like both for the record but I feel they went with the more interesting choice. They went with a they went with a, a gamble more than the safe choice. Yeah, yeah. I think they could have very easily have done around four or five or whatever. How many times these guys have wrestled in the past, you know, two years, um, and and had an epic yeah head dropper of a match, and everybody would have, and I'm sure people would would have been excited to see that. I think they took a risk. They had the guts to do it. Let's 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 praise them a little bit in the sense that they had the guts to to go this route. Um, it does make things very interesting post G one in a lot of different ways. You know, like I said, coming off of it raw. Uh, yeah, I don't think I felt this way about pro wrestling this weekend that I have in a real long time. I'm very used to the emotion of fucking great match, fucking amazing performance, blah, blah, blah. And I'm stru- trying to get comfortable, I guess, with, wow, I just got pro-wrestled. I, we just got pro-wrestled the entire weekend. And it kind of feels good. You know what I mean? It kind of, I love getting worked. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. The, towards the tail end of the G1, we had banger after banger after banger, but... I was starting to feel a bit numb to it. I was thinking, okay, yeah, right. we've seen another brilliant, you know, four and a half, four and three quarter, quarter star Shingo match, Ishii match. They've, you know, beaten the piss out of each other. This is great. But you start to become desensitized to that. And I feel that over the past 24 hours, it's put the emotion 
back into pro wrestling for me. And I love that. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, that is a good point. It doesn't help me. Again, I'm, I am fixated on stars and in-ring performance and match and all that. But, yeah, I mean, from from that point of view, I don't think you could do – I'm really trying to go back in time and be like, wow. I mean, you're talking, again, 12-year-old kid stuff that, that you're feeling for the first time in since that time. That's that's pretty great to be to be able to do that in cynical 2019, right? I mean, we're not this we're talking now we're doing this shit. It it is it is a weird feeling for a lot of people and I think a lot of people don't know how to what's going on in, in inside themselves, right? Um to kind of comprehend it. And it's and that's that's an amazing thing. When you when you think about it, especially now in 2019. So, again, you're winning me more over to that element and making me realize that. Again, I can't sit here and give it five. Um, but, again, I, I think that element that that we're all getting in this weekend makes it pretty special, I think. Makes it pretty special. I also think... I'm a bit of a mark for the big occasions because my three five-star matches this year were uh, Tanahashi Omega, Wrestle Kingdom, Osprey versus Shingo in the Best of Super Juniors final, and then this G1 Climax final. So maybe for me, having the match on that big stage does really enhance my enjoyment and my emotional connection to it. Yeah, I know that. I know you love the big stage in the in the big spotlight, and that helps put it over the top. Um, and I get that, I get that. But yeah, I mean, again, if I'm looking at it from a pure match quality, whatever that might mean, um, if it falls a bit short on most G1 finals. But again, from the element of doing what pro wrestling is supposed to do, again, I'm rooting. I'm on. I'm on the fucking couch rooting. Um, I don't remember rooting. I remember wanting guys to win um, and being, you know, invested in a match from a match quality perspective. But from this from this point of view, from this angle and the ride that they took us on, no, nah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm finding it very difficult to come up with a scenario where I felt this way since a very long time. Let's talk about the winner of this match, Kota Ibushi. So if all goes well for him with a few uh, briefcase defences along the line, who's, who's he lost to? He lost to Evil. So presumably he'll defend that at Destruction and he lost to Kenta. So I'm guessing he'll defend that at King of Pro Wrestling. But if he does keep that challenge and Okada keeps the title and we're looking at Okada Ibushi at the Dome in uh, January 4th, it just seems, is that a match that you're excited for? Yeah. I mean, to me, truth be told, I would rather see that than Okada, Jay White. I really would. Um, again, from a pure, on paper, meaty main event in a big venue, I'd rather see Okada, Ibushi. Yeah. Um, so I'm totally okay with that if he successfully just, defends. Do you not feel that the drama of it and the specialness of it has been 
somewhat compromised by seeing it 48 hours ago and seeing Ibushi beat him clean in the middle of the ring. Um, yeah, I do. But here's the thing. I think a lot of people get too hung up on having matches be protected and having, you know, the, if you build it properly, you know, it's, it's not that difficult. You got two guys in there that are, that are arguably the best in the promotion. I don't think it's gonna. I don't. I don't think the concern of having this be dome worthy is there. And again, the idea of protecting matches, I think, gets blown out of proportion a little bit. I'm totally okay with those two guys headlining a dome show. No, no worries whatsoever. Because the thought has occurred to me. Well, I'm wondering what kind of number is that going to do at the dome? Because it didn't sell out Budokan Hall, and it was outdrawn by Jay White versus Naito. With a few caveats, admittedly, but again, this is a match that didn't sell out a 12,000-seat venue, and we're hoping it does a big number in a 40,000-seat venue. Do you, do you see my concerns here? Yes. Yes. Um, I, I do. Do you, think, do you think somebody else does a better number? I mean, look, again, to me, <laughs> the biggest story is... is is the guy that we thought was going to be headlining that and where we didn't have a concern right now is not in that picture, right? Um, yeah. It, 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 I, I'm... I, look, I, I got to lay the cards on the table at, right out of the gate. I'm shocked with what they did. I really am. I, I did not think... Kota Ibushi was walking out of this winning it, number one. And number two, um, the idea of that, again, just, tw- you know, what, 48 hours, how many hours it was. We just saw the fucking match. Um, we know, I, the only thing that you can say is that, okay, we know Ibushi can beat Okada, right? right? So that makes it a slippery slope. But here's the thing, too. We just saw fucking Suzuki pin Okada. <laughs> you know, so that t- that kind of takes a little bit of that. And we saw Sonata beat Okada, who fucking loses to Fala <laughs> the next his next singles match. Um, so you know, I can't even hang my hat on. Well, he beat him, so that means you know he's vulnerable to him. <laughs> so, I see your concerns. I see your concerns. Um, I, I to me, I just don't know. I don't know how they walked away. Look, on one hand, they did exactly what you said they did, and they did it to perfection, and they they played us like a fiddle and all that. At the end of the day, I'm going to sit here and tell you, Joel, that the guy who should be headlining that Wrestle Kingdom show right now isn't headlining that Wrestle Kingdom show. And I'm going to shrug my shoulders, and we'll talk more about it, I'm sure. All right, next thing I would like to discuss is an angle that went down after the sixth match where we had Kenta, Yoshihashi, and Tomohiro Ishii versus Tangela, Tamatonga, and Bad Luck Fale, where we had Kenta turning on his teammates and joining the Bullet Club. And then one, Katsuyori Shibata, coming, doing the running, making the save, attacking Kenta, getting very physical, and then getting laid out by the Bullet Club. Kenta joins the Bullet Club, mocks Shibata by doing his pose, sitting on top of him, 
gloating with his new Bullet Club chums. I think this is this might be the best pro wrestling angle I've ever seen. Wow! Yeah, I, I love that. Yeah, I thought just it was the way it it, it it went from Shibata, who's a guy that I adore, who's been on the sidelines for what, coming up to two and a half years now, making his big comeback, and then you're like, "Holy shit, Shibata's back!" I can't believe it, and you're overjoyed, and you're like, "Yes, he's gonna give this guy's comeuppance," and then. He gets outnumbered and then Kenta just being the absolute, well, I say the second biggest heel in the company, just doing everything right. It just, not it, it just, oh, words are failing me, Damon. I just thought it was incredibly well executed. Yeah. I mean, to take advantage of a guy that's already, you know, in the fans' eyes has, you know, <laughs> a lot, a lot of people, you know, already giving them the thumbs down and booing and and again we we kind of point out some of those comments on those social media videos of uh the Japanese fans even just like oof we've had enough of this guy already um and then to turn around and to capitalize on that it's pretty amazing right and then shibata and even though you know Everyone is, oh, you know, I hope he's you know fit enough to get in there and do anything. And there's always that hesitant. Uh, yeah. I don't want to hear it, David. <laughs> I don't want to hear it now, I don't right? want to hear it. He's right? back. He's, he's back. back. I don't care. He's back. He's, he's fighting fit. <laughs> yep. Let them fight. He looked good, didn't he? Did, did he not look good? He looked fucking great. Yeah. He looked in tremendous shape. He yeah. looked like he, I mean, obviously it was just a short angle, but... He looks like he hasn't missed a step, and I just I want to put all the uh, you know the, the worries and the concerns. Let's put that to one side for now yep. and enjoy this for what it was. It was great. It was that that my friends was a pro wrestling angle. Uh, that will be that will be remembered. I think. Yeah, just the execution of it was so well done. Uh, you had the little seed of of Kenta kind of stepping away in a tag situation. Which uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we hear Ishii and Kenta lined up relatively soon. Um, that should be right around the corner. Um, and again, the idea and the prospect of if Shibata could go again, doing an angle, doing a doing a something like that, where you know you're not doing too much, but you know he looks sharp. And, and that drop kick in the corner looked looked tight as hell. Um, yeah, that was an yeah, exciting that, time. That, I saw enough there for me to think he's back. Do you think yeah. he's back? Is he going to be wrestling again soon? <sighs> Oof. Um, he. I mean, look, you could put him in a tag in a, in a protected area if you wanted to. For look, here's the bottom line: if he's got fucking clearance, then he goes right. And until he does, then he doesn't. But just for that little snippet, that little that little high energy angle, boy, it just sure does feel like he could just pop right into a tag at first. Let's just test the waters. Um, he he went. He looked great, and and the angle was executed flawlessly. And Kenta comes across as as a huge dick. Look, he's going to be stuck in the in the Bullet Club shuffle, right? I don't I don't want him to get lost in there. 
Um, and and instantly it kills any idea of L.A. Do- Dojo. But here's the thing. Now you got feud. You got L.A. Dojo feud with Bullet Club, right? So it does give Goto something instantly to do. Um, it's exciting. I like it. I like it a lot, actually. Uh, yeah, and Shibata looked great. Let me read this tweet it, from uh, RBX2000. Yeah. Uh, he said, Goto's new faction imploding before it even forms properly is Pete Goto. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's a very good point. Um, you, you read my mind. Look, I don't think anybody's. I don't think anyone is going to sit here and wag a finger at this angle. It was great. It was well executed, well done, and a nice, a nice juicy thing in the middle of a show uh, to get you warmed up for the, for the finals and get you warmed up for the, the autumn months. Should be great. Let's do a bit of speculating. Where? How do you think this story? unfolds between now and Wrestle Kingdom because I'm imagining maybe some sort of situation where Kenta gets the never title off of Ishii and then perhaps defends it against Goto and then Shibata has to go through some of the Bullet Club goons to get at Kenta and then at Wrestle Kingdom we get Shibata versus Kenta for the never openweight title. Man you're sticking Shibata right in the mix aren't you? He's he's going on. I mean, uh, give me a scale of one to ten. You do you do you do you think he's in? Because yeah, there's a big difference. I, be- I just I don't think you you do an angle that physical if he's not clear to compete. Right, but he could still be a guy to get his you know that big spot of of oh, I finally got my hands on that motherfucker and you know a couple kicks a drop kick in the corner. It's a big difference between that and you know working on an entire match. But, I mean, if he's if he's got yeah, clearance... And you you go, are right, but I'm going to stick my neck out. Yeah, I think he's it. back. I'm going to make a, a bold pick and say, yes, he's back. All right. All right. I don't know yet. We don't we don't know anything yet. Let's. I want to be very clear about that, but Joel's going to be bold because we got a lot of pep and vim this morning. So, um... Are we, uh, you're, you're saying Wrestle Kingdom. Wrestle Kingdom, Shibata comes back? Mm. Either that could be his comeback match, or he has he has to beat a few Bullet Club guys en route. Let's say he has to beat someone at Destruction, or beat someone at King of Pro Wrestling, or beat someone at Power Struggle. One, one of the lower level Bullet Club guys, mm-hmm. in order to... In order to get a shot at Kenta, I'm going to say Shibata is a fixture in both Ishii's and Goto's corners, uh, and he'll continue to try to get his revenge in some fashion, maybe even tags. But I don't know if he's going to be back full time. But he'll get his hands on him, and it'll be a big payback. Come uh, maybe Wrestle Kingdom, we'll call it there, but. Um, until I see or get further word, I'm going to hold off on Shibata's 100% return. But fuck, he looked good. And fuck, that was exciting. And pants are all the way down for that one. In terms of the rest of this card, there were some things that have more than likely set up matches for Royal Quest. So just judging from what happened in this match and the semi-main event, which was Tanahashi Okada versus Zack Sabre Jr. and Suzuki, I think it's fair to say that we could be seeing... Suzuki challenge Okada for the title at Royal Quests and seeing Zack versus Tanahashi for the Refro title and possibly Kenta versus Ishii for the Never Openweight title. How do you feel potentially about those three matches headlining Royal Quest? 
Uh, I think potentially. I think they're. I mean, all all ro- roads point to that, right? Um, I think. I think we'll see, especially from that tag match. We'll see at least, at the very least, a match, if not a program, between Zack and Tanahashi and and Okada and Suzuki. And we had been saying that we had kind of thought Royal Quest was going to be a uh, perfect opportunity for that. And now with this uh, latest angle with Kenta, and, and uh, we did hear Ishii um, would be the person. So that would be maybe a nice... Never title defense. I'll tell you what, that never title has really gotten interesting all of a sudden. It really has found a lot of those those varied weight classes challenging for that title and a lot of potentially really great matches um, that are right around the corner for that title. When it felt like that title was a little bit cooled off for a period, uh, I think we've, we, we've heated that up tremendously in the past month. Yeah, that match, the Tanahashi Okada versus Zack and Suzuki was really good. And I was very impressed by Suzuki, who just was going out there turning back the years. So a match that I had mixed feelings about. Now I'm tremendously excited for because I'm sure that if that is the direction for London, they are going to go out there and put on a cracking match for those British fans. We also had some shenanigans between... John Moxley and Juice Robinson with John Moxley attacking Juice and putting him through a table. So it looks like they're going to have a rematch for the US title somewhere down the line. Uh, how do you feel about that? Where do you think we see that match? Yeah, that was about the only predictions we had that were <laughs> that were coming true in the past couple of days, right? Um, Moxley getting or Juice getting the win in the final night and then um, maybe setting up something later down the road. And it kind of looks like it's, you know, John got his last laugh, so to speak, um, against Juice. Put him through a table, didn't he? Yeah. Um, I like the idea of, of those two guys continuing on. I wish, I, I, I hope there's some way that they can continue on in the states. I don't, I don't think it's likely, um, but I'd like to see some that continue. I like them. I think they have a nice mix together. I, I like the chemistry that they have together. I thought Moxley had a great tour, and. Juice, here's, here's what Moxley did. If he did, didn't do anything, um, of course, everybody will talk about how he resurrected his career and how he uh, you know, was able to break free from the WWE shackles and all that stuff. Here's, here's what he really did. Here's what he accomplished. He helped give Juice, again, that grit and that, that nastiness level. Uh, that every pro wrestler needs when they develop and they take the next step. That's that's what Moxley did on this tour. He made Juice Robinson take another rung up the ladder, um, and and in doing so, you know he's helping make a star for another promotion. And in doing so, he helped his stock, and the G One helped as well. But specifically, this little program he's had with Juice has helped. You know, you got the hottest guy in pro wrestling coming in, and, and you're going to be working a program. You would hope you would elevate. It doesn't happen all the time. Uh, but, yeah, he, what he did was he helped Juice climb another rung on his career, which is awesome. Just a quick note on ticket sales. We had 12,014 fans as the official attendance for the G1 final in Budokan. Last year's final drew slightly better with 12,112 
In total, over the three nights, we have 31,440, which is up 1,125 from last year's three-day total at Budokan. So this year, we had a Saturday, a Sunday, and a holiday Monday, whereas last year, it was a Friday, a Saturday, and a Sunday. And I think the fact that it was a public holiday this year and the fact that they weren't running a Friday is significant. But in spite of that, it's got to be considered a success for New Japan to be up 1,000 tickets from last year. Yes, um, and it's kind of, you know, you want to try to compare apples to apples with that kind of stuff, right? And and having the split day uh, between the Monday holiday and, and, and not. Um, and who was headlining those shows and all of that. Yeah, so it's a net positive. Um, you would have liked to have seen that final do at least what it did last year. Um, I don't know if that is... Uh, I don't know if the finals was a, was a was a direct result of the direction in which they decided to go because you would have hoped that walk up sales, if there was, you know, um, I don't want to say interest, if if that main event was was something that could draw in that walk up house, um, I think that would be important, right? Don't you think? I mean, what do you, what's your feeling on that? That no, I building think we're, this we're quibbling over it. It's a difference of a hundred fans, right? And last year, well, I, I just think it's splitting hairs. Really, I don't think it's that significant. I think the number that was sold for the final and the number for the B block final are a feather in the cap of Jay White, particularly because some people say that he's not a draw. These numbers are good, and they disprove that. To an extent, good, good, but but not better, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, if we're being the, honest, the B block final last year was an incredibly protected match. Like Omega Ibushi was huge, and they didn't want to do it. Like they had to be dragged kicking and screaming to do that match for the the block finals. Right. So there's something to be said for that. And had we not had that hugely protected match, then this year would look even more successful. So that's something to take into account too. Yep. Okay. All right. But, you know, plenty of factors. You could say the day and the staggering off and all that. Um, okay. I, I would have liked to have seen those 100 tickets sold. I mean, I know it, I know it's only 100, but okay, it's only 100. Um, it's, it's, I would have liked to have seen those sold. For the, for the G1 finals? Come on, this is not this is not a house show in the middle of, of Nagoya. This is this is the G one finals. Every ticket should be sold for that. Every ticket should be sold for that. And again, usually that a lot of that might be dictated around walk up sales, getting getting those final tickets sold, and that's a direct correlation of what's the main event. And maybe I'm just saying it's not a huge amount. Again, it's a hundred tickets, but is is I'm going to pose the question: Is that backlash for the final and people being disappointed? Could well be. It could be a hundred Naito fans decided not to come, and that <laughs> leads us on nicely. Let's talk about the B Block Finals straight into that uh, main event, which was Jay White defeating Tetsuya Naito in a rather short eighteen minutes fifty one seconds 
with Blade Runner, which left Naito with 10 points and Jay White winning the block with 12 points. It was a really good match and minimal interference. I think that is something that's noteworthy because Jay White has done a lot of shithousery, a lot of cheating, but against Naito, there wasn't really that much. It was relatively clean by Jay White standards and it's hard to dissect the match and the technicalities of the match too much when the real story is, of course, Naito not going through to the final and, and not winning the G1, which is something that we thought was going to happen and a lot of other people thought was going to happen, as you heard from the cold open to the show. So we're taking a massive L. And I was, like yourself, probably stunned watching it. I felt almost a little bit sick watching it. And I'm not a huge Naito fan by any stretch of the imagination, but I was invested in the story. I was looking forward uh, and excited to seeing him get his redemption at Wrestle Kingdom 14. And it looks like it's not going to happen. And I just feel really bad for Naito fans because there's all this talk of patience, the Wrestle Kingdom 12 result, all this talk of Naito. Two belts done by Naito himself led most of us to expect that there would be a satisfying payoff. And just the way things have played out, it just seems really cruel with him losing to Moxie like that in the middle of the, the blocks and then coming back from the brink only to lose again to Jay White, of all people. who, Like I say, he's cheated to beat pretty much everyone. Clean as a whistle. Yep. And I don't want to move the goalposts here because at this stage, it looks like it's not going to happen for Naito. I'm not going to tell people to wait anymore. This is, this is, and comparisons to Nakamura, it feels different to the Nakamura situation because Nakamura was never going out telling people that it was his destiny to be a double champion. And I really, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Nakamura was ever as beloved as Naito is in certain circles. I don't think Nakamura ever had these agonizing, tragic failures. And this is not like Naito, some random mid carder who people are unjustly demanding a title reign for. But you know, at this point, people are making comparisons to Hiroki Goto, two great wrestlers who can't win a big one. And if, if this is it for Naito, he's never going to win that again. I just think that's a huge waste of an amazing wrestler who's wildly popular and charismatic. And I just don't understand it. So like I said, I'm not going to sit here and tell the Naito fans to wait until 2021. Fuck that. It's obvious. One of the major goals of this year, 2019, has been to elevate Jay White. And I think that's been a huge success, despite how divisive he is. But it has come at a cost. It seems that Naito has died for Jay White. Yeah. But he's been doing that his entire fucking career. Like, you know, when he's stardust genius and he's Mr. Babyface and he has his Wrestle Kingdom main event that doesn't become a main event, gets outvoted, the Intercontinental title becomes the the showcase marquee main event at Wrestle Kingdom that year. Then you go on, he goes, you know, and does his uh, his little Mexico trip and comes back with this hot gimmick, makes it work for himself becomes arguably the hottest guy in the promotion. Um, you know, I hate using it too much of a barometer, but, you know, he comes back and merch sales do pretty well. And, you know, they give him that 40-day heavyweight title run. Was it, He didn't even have, he have one defense. And that's not too odd for first-timers, but, you know, you, you kind of left with a little bit of a bitter taste in your mouth if you're a Naito fan. 
and more people are coming on board and more people are being invested in New Japan Pro Wrestling and seeing Naito and hooking themselves to that wagon. And then he goes on to Wrestle Kingdom again. And we tell the story all the time of going in there and, boy, everybody thought that was going to happen and the guy was hotter than 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 lava. And Rainmaker 1, 2, 3, and we're all looking at each other like, what in the fuck? Nobody expected that. And you saw some unhappy faces. But then you figure, well, okay, his time will eventually come. And we go through this whole, you know, seems like just spinning wheels and spinning wheels and spinning wheels and then it's you know then it's uh, omega comes in and he does his thing and you're still waiting and you're still waiting and then he gets tied up in this jericho program and you're still waiting and you're still waiting and 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 we said look nothing is promised in pro wrestling let's let's be truthful there but you know have the have have Naito just you know get eight points or something you know have him be an eight point geek um, instead of then having them lose so, you know so early and then make that comeback to give people that again that another false sense of hope. I guess my 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 problem with this is is that and again I'm not Mister you know Lij by any stretch of the imagination, but. By God, how many times can you fucking burn people for 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 hanging in on this guy? You know, they're, they're, you know, this company is usually really good with the payoffs. Whew. And pro wrestling's weird, Joel. I mean, pro wrestling, unlike just about anything else, again, you look at one guy the wrong way in a locker room, or you don't shake the guy's hand as hard as you should have, or as soft as you should have, or. Whatever the fuck. Or you tie your shoes weird. I mean, it could be something as simple as that. But man, it does. It sure does feel like Naito checks every fucking box there is in a pro wrestler to to be a top guy, at least for a little bit. And they just won't pull the, the, the trigger on the guy. Um, and to lose clean as a sheet in the middle of the fucking ring. Um, yes, there was interference, but the, that last interference... Had zero impact on the match, you know. It was at least another three, four minutes before we started getting to the finishes. Clean as a sheet, one, two, three, and like I said, if that 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 cold open was a little bit fun, you know, more. I think it was more of us taking the loss than anything else. But it's got to sting a little bit. It's got to sting a little bit. And again, we're here to have some laughs and have some fun. But if you're fans of this guy, the closest analogy I can give you, and I hate to pull out the old WWE shit. I mean, it's a it's a bit different, but you know, even even my wife was like, "This feels like that Daniel Bryan guy," <laughs> and I'm like, oh, "Kinda, a little bit." It feels like it. I mean, I don't know the full story, but kind of feels like you know, you got a building chock full of people wanting the guy to go on and 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 win this fucking thing, and they decided not to do it. So. I, yeah, we can't tell you to hang in there anymore. This is this is what it is. He ain't your guy. What do you think they're saving Okada Naito for? Because it's clearly a protected money match, and it feels like they're saving it for a big show. But I don't know what anymore. It could be 
a new beginning next year in Osaka Joke Hall or some speculation about Dominion at the Osaka Dome. What's your feeling on that? I I I mean I think he's intercontinental. I think he's your 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 secondary champion. Uh, and and there are people that will say, well, yeah, but that, my question I mean, is the the Okada Naito match. I don't know. I don't I don't know if they ever do it, Joel. I, I don't. I, I how I mean, yes, they could. Again, they're very good at putting people back on the, on the burner. But I, I, how do you do that at this point? I mean, we we got to wait another year. I don't know because it's just been eighteen months. Right, we haven't seen that since Wrestle Kingdom twelve, and they haven't gone back to it. So. They are saving it, but I don't know for what. I, you know, for I've another given, year, I'm not predicting because who knows, right? And and again, people are going to sit there and say, "Yeah, well, he's got the second title, and and you would assume that one of those nights maybe he headlines." But we're not talking about Juice Robinson here. We're talking about one guy that absolutely could be the top guy in that company. And for whatever reason, they don't want it to happen. And I don't, I don't have an answer as to why. I really don't. And I don't think anybody really can come to me with a really valid reason of why he can't be a guy for a little bit. Again, and I'm the person, the king of, not everyone gets to be the champ and not everybody gets to be that guy. I don't know why not that guy. Um but it's, it's it's a it's a head scratcher for me. Yeah, when you look at how the belt has I don't want to say hot shotted, but over the past year or so we've had Okada, Omega, Tanahashi, Jay White. That's a lot of people holding that belt and you just think, well, why not Naito? And yeah, we're just left scratching our heads. And but on the the other hand, Damon, whether you agree or disagree with the booking decision it did take some guts to pull that in Budokan in front of thousands of passionate Naito fans. And I think the discourse is tremendous. The fact that I opened my phone this morning and there were nearly 2,000 messages in our Discord live event channel. People care about this so deeply and you can't say that for every promotion. And again, we touched on it before. I do love the fact that they took me to these extremes of emotion and I love that I feel something. And also, there is something to be said for not knowing whether or not you're going to get the thing that you want in the end. Because if you know you're always going to get it, then it's not as special. It's it's like orgasm denial. You don't know whether you're going to have your moment or not, or you're going to be left with blue balls. So when you do get the things that you wanted, then you really savor it. Yeah, yeah, uh, you're right. But is it? Is, I mean, there there is always that. You're looking for that peak moment, right? You don't want to shoot your load fucking three seconds in. But then again, you don't want to like sit there and think about back- some edging. Th- <laughs> right, right, right. You know, you don't want to sit there and fucking thinking about Barry Wyndham matches. And then, you know, it's four hours later and you're both bored to death trying to get this thing to get out. Um, and I think that's kind of where people are at this point. It's you know, just get the fuck off me, please. Go jerk off in the corner, I mean, right? I mean, that's <laughs> so that- the Naito fans going back in the chastity cage. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They're they're they just want to go to sleep at this point. You know what I mean? They they just fucking we're past that point. So look, it's a delicate balance, um, but it feels right now 
he's not your guy. He's not your guy. And once again, I'll I'll pose that question. And that that I really don't think anybody can give me a real solid answer to, aside from they're going in this direction. Why not him? And if not now, when? The previous match was B-block match between Shingo Takagi and Hiroki Goto. Shingo defeating Goto in 15 minutes 10 from the last of the Dragon. And after the match, Shingo declared, from now on, I'll just continue as a heavyweight. So we have got officially uh, Shingo moving from the juniors to the heavyweights, which is tremendously exciting. And, I mean, this match was great. What more can you say? I can't really break it down in terms of the, the technicalities of it. It was just what Shingo does best, which is to beefy boys hitting each other. And actually, I'm being a bit reductive because Shingo is very versatile and I've talked about all the different kind of matches he put on. I think he's one of the best wrestlers they've got, if not the best wrestler that they've got in the company. And I think he's had a, an outstanding G1. He might be my G1 MVP. I need some time to think about that and digest it, but another really good match here. He's in my top three. He's in, he's absolutely in my top three. Um, these last two heavyweight matches that we were all looking forward to might bump him up to the first spot. You're right. I'm, I, and, I, and again, I might need a little bit more time to digest it, digest the, the, the entire G1. But gut reaction, if he's not one, he's one A. <laughs> he, he checks all the boxes for me. He's fucking versatile and able to do all the things that, again, I talked about before, all the different factions and all the different pockets of, of New Japan fandom. Nobody nobody sits there and says, eh, Shingo's okay. Nobody's doing that. Um, I'm glad to see him move up in the heavyweights. It makes for, again, that never title. That never title between Shingo, Ishii, Taichi, um, now Kenta, that's gonna be a. That is gonna be one fucking fun autumn. And we also had Juice Robinson defeating John Moxley in sixty minutes twenty six with a pop friction. Again, these two guys got excellent chemistry. A really violent, emotional brawl between these guys, which I very much enjoyed. Uh, what did you think of it? Yeah. Again. Again, they. Uh, they are two guys that. Uh, that are helping each other, you know, <laughs> they're helping each other with their careers and resurrecting it. And John gets to do fun things with juice and juice gets that gritty sandpaper element that we were looking for as well to help him take another step. Um, yeah, I could see these guys. Well, I think, I think we're all kind of looking f- forward in the relative near future of that U S title going back to juice. But yeah, this is a, a, a plus, a plus for both careers. And that's all you can ask for at this point. We had Taichi defeating Tomohiro Ishii in 11 minutes 56 with the Black Mephisto. Damon, talk to us about King's Road Taichi, if you please. <laughs> Let me tell you something again. Uh, how about the year Taichi's had? For all, And I'll go so far as to say this, and I know you're going to fucking want to strangle me, but I'm going to say it anyway. Tai Chi's had a better year in ring than Jay White. Go ahead. Let that I sink in. I understand why you say that. It's, <laughs> Go ahead. It's very close. They're having different types of years. And uh-huh. Tai Chi matches tickle those, those little places. You know, it ticks all my boxes. When I see a Tai Chi match, it just it, it gets me. It's, 
the kind of stuff that I want to see in my pro wrestling, where Jay White, I have to maybe work a little bit harder, concentrate a bit more, but at the end of the match, I can appreciate it and say that he's done a terrific job in a very different sort of way. So can I sit on the fence and say I enjoyed them both? Tai Chi, yeah, I've enjoyed Tai Chi more than Jay White this year. I think Tai Chi has, has, I've, well, listen, one, we all know, I, I totally have turned around on him. I totally have. Um, you know, I was having a text conversation with Eric, uh, Real Hero Eric, yesterday, as a matter of fact, and it was about Tai Chi. And listen, he is a, is a, he might be leading the army of the anti-Tai Chi brigade. And he always has been waving that flag. And trust me, I was a card-carrying member too. But I'm, I'm, I'm telling him, you know, I'm like, dude, that, that match against Ishii was tremendous. And he's like, yeah, you're right. It was great. I just can't stand him. I was like, well, I, I get that. But the matches are still great. <laughs> you know, you're not, it's not the same Tai Chi. And I'll go to my grave at this point defending the fact that if you're going to hang on to those old, crusty, just not let them go. Let go of that. Let go of that old school mentality of Tai Chi because he ain't the same guy anymore. He's not the same guy. And look, I'll, I'll officially do this. I'll tell you right now, Joel, there is no fucking way in hell I will ever do a, a, a uh, cartwheel death match involving Tai Chi ever again, especially if there's even a, a hint of – of Ishii in, in the area. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. That ain't fucking happening at all. Because he had another banger of a match. Um, and he's had an outstanding year in ring. In ring. He's had an outstanding year so far in 2019. And I never thought I would ever say those words. Yeah, and also let's give Ishii his props here for having another truly brilliant G1 climax. And he just seems to do it every year. And you take it for granted now, but... So many people, I think sort of him and Shingo and Naito to some extent, just having a little competition between the three of them to see who could give each other wrestler their best match. So he's been terrific. But this match, I, I've been wanting a match like this from Taichi for a long time. As much as I love the shenanigans, I wanted one where he just goes ball to the wall. And when that bell rang and he went with the, the axe bomber and then the backdrop, then I was just thinking, yes, we're going to get that match. And it was brilliant. And I think you're quite right. Uh, lots of people saying that that was the best Tai Chi match. And yeah, definitely one of my favourites. Um, opening block match here was Jeff Cobb defeating Toriano in 5 minutes 18 with Tori of the Islands. Don't have a great deal to say about this, Damon. It was a, it was Jeff Cobb versus Toriano, two of my least favourite people in this B block, having a, an okay but forgettable match. Well said. I don't think anything more needs to be said about that. All right, well, let's talk about the A-block finals then. And let's start from the top. We had Kota Ibushi defeating Kazuchika Okada in 25 minutes, 7 seconds with the Kamigoi to advance to the final. Okada was very dominant in the first half of this match. And there were some nice little callbacks to the Okada versus Tiger Mask double match. There was the blocked top rope Tiger Driver, which Tiger Mask double landed successfully. Uh, back in that match, but not tonight. 
Um, it just felt to me, and obviously knowing what we know now, I could well be on the money here, that it, it felt at the time like they were saving themselves for another match. But we had some cool moments. We had a risk control battle. We had the Rainmaker versus the Kamigoye. Uh, there was a really cool spot where Okada was going to go for a drop kick, but then Ibushi turned it into a power bomb. And another one where Ibushi was going to come with a bomb and Okada just nailed him straight in the face with a drop kick. So there were some great moments here. Uh, it seemed at one point that Okada was going to do a one-winged angel, but he didn't quite manage it in the end. We had two Kamigoyes, the first one uh, Okada kicked out of. So, very good match, but I don't feel it was a great match. Really? And I feel ungrateful and spoiled for saying this, but I did have higher expectations going into this. But again, maybe they are saving their best stuff for Tokyo Dome. When you say left stuff on the table and give me... I mean, you're above four there, there right? Yeah, I was. I'm, I would say four and a half, I think. And it's okay. ridiculous for me to sit here and say I was disappointed by a four and a half star match. But when you've been fed a, a steady diet of four and a half star matches throughout the G1, when you get to a match like this in the block finals at Budokan Hall with two of the best wrestlers in the world, I don't think it's unfair for you to have your expectations a bit higher. And they weren't met, but again, it's still a very, very good match. I might have been a, sh- a smidge higher and a little bit more positive. I loved the match. I thought it was. I thought it was fucking outstanding. Um, I, I thought this night specifically was maybe my favorite night of the G one. And traditionally, you know, these final block matches and block nights are usually really great, really fun pro wrestling. Usually, some of the best stuff, you know, up and down the show. And this, I thought this delivered big time as a main event. Um, can, can we talk a little bit about something, though, that's kind of gotten under my skin? And, and I don't know if you noticed this, and it, maybe it's just me nitpicking on, on Kevin Kelly a little bit. But I'm going to bring it up here. Joel, do me a favor. Describe to me, what is a Rainmaker? A rainmaker is when Okada is standing behind his opponent with his yep. front facing their back, and he grabs wrist control mm-hmm. and he does the rip cords mm-hmm. and then hits them with the short arm lariat. Okay, thank you. That's the rainmaker, not just a short clothesline, right? Because Kevin Kelly will call that a rainmaker, and, and like anything that becomes a clothesline down the stretch is a rainmaker. Go back and listen to those calls. They're not rainmakers. I mean, am I missing the point here? I've he, noticed a similar calls... thing with Destinos as well. There's the little half Destinos, there's the running Destinos, but I don't feel any of them are the full Destino. Full Destino, the one where Naito gets the person's arm, twists it backwards, and then launches for the full uh, reverse, the, the full rotation of the move. So... Wait. I think we're encountering similar things here with rainmakers that are not rainmakers and destinos that are not destinos. Okay, I, I just didn't. I thought it was going out of my mind listening to this. I was like, "Well, that's not it." And he's been doing it before, and I've been kind of hand waving it, and not really. You know, it's just one of those things where it's like it's not a rainmaker. Um, okay, well maybe you know maybe we'll get word to him on that <laughs> that he's maybe he doesn't even know he's doing it. But yeah, 
I, I like okay, good. We're on the same page there because it's 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 a, it's becoming bothersome. All right, good. Uh, no, but I like the match again. I was over. I was like four and three quarters on this, so I liked it a little bit more than you. Um, I think I think Okada is especially in this G one. It feels to me that he does not get enough love and does not get enough props. And does not get enough praise. So let me be the one to do it. He's fucking awesome. He's fucking incredible. Uh, and he's had a great G1. And no, I mean, if they went to the well with this at the Dome, I'd have no problems. And maybe they did leave a little bit behind in this match. And if they did, then whatever they left behind, if they add it to a match, the match will be fucking off the charts. So loved it. I thought it was great. Pants were down. Uh, and again, I was over four and a half stars on this. Yeah, I think Okada really have to hand it to him as being probably the best guy in the world, I would say, at doing the closing stretch. And you see other guys try and imitate it with the reversal of the finishers. And sometimes people criticize that for looking a bit hokey, like a dance or whatever. But every time Okada does it, I think it's great. It looks like a real back and forth struggle and it looks organic, like two guys jockeying and fighting two two prize fighters fighting for position to land their signature moves and he just seems to knock it out of the park with every single person that he wrestles against and win or lose makes his opponent look great in that little closing sequence yep i agree i agree 100 percent, and i think that's what separates him from a lot of people that that just like you call it try to do a, a, a cheap imitation of that closing stretch. Um, not everybody can do it. Not everybody can make it look as smooth and as fluid and as um, impactful as he can. So, uh, yep, I thought it was another great performance by him. Will Ospreay defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi in 17 minutes 12 with the Stormbreaker. First thing I'm going to say, Damon, they really, really, really need to fix that music rights issue because I think it was a real problem here because I was told by people in the building that the the crowd cheering for Will Ospreay was incredible. And that was something that we lost both during Ospreay's entrance and in the closing of the match. So I really hope that they can fix that soon. And at the start of this match, you had the dueling chance with Go Ace and Ospreay. And that felt really big. You could see Will Ospreay getting emotional and tearing up. I bet uh, this kid from Essex, wherever he's from, he never imagined that his name would be chanted at the same level as Hiroshi Tanahashi at Budokan Hall. So that was a real moment for me. I, I appreciated that a lot. It was just fascinating to listen to. And Osprey was just getting tremendous reactions, even relatively small things like bridging up from a test of strength or doing the air guitar. And the match itself, I thought, was, for the most part, excellent. And it felt kind of like Tanahashi was going back to his old playbook of uh, wrestling against Okada when he started going after the knee. And there were some very creative spots like the, the Deathlock Bridge. Uh, it shows to me that Tanahashi can adapt his style and still put on big matches that deliver, even if it's not the, the big high-impact matches that we're used to with him historically. Um, let's talk about selling for a bit. I thought, for the most part, Osprey sold his knee well. Like when he did the springboard, Tanahashi moved out of the way and Will landed on his feet and his knee buckled, which is a spot that seems like a simple thing to do. Always works for me. But it was inconsistent and it didn't ruin the match for me. It didn't hurt it too badly, but he did rattle off a bunch of his signature spots 
with complete perfection, which irked me a bit when a minute ago he was in agony. But again, for the most part, I thought he did a good job. But to me, that's the difference between him and a guy who is in the runnings with him for the rest of the year with Shingo Takagi. Because Osprey, when he's doing a leg match, he sells a leg for about 80% of the match, but Shingo sells it for 100%. You go back and watch that Shingo versus Moxley match. Every single thing that Shingo does is modified through the lens of the injured leg. And to me, when you're doing a leg match, there are only two acceptable finishes to it. Either the babyface with his bad leg modifies their finisher to account for the injury. Like, I don't know, let's say they do a one-legged Stormbreaker or do something different, like a flash pin. Or they try their finisher and they collapse and lose because of their bad leg. For me, ignoring it completely and then just hitting all your, your special moves flawlessly is no good. So there is plenty of room for improvement for Young Will. But again, at the same time, both things can be true. I can give some criticism there for the selling, but also say that this was a terrific match, especially stylistically because Tanahashi is one of the, the best in the world at doing a limb match, which made complete sense given the story that it was an older guy who's breaking down a bit physically and a young star with an arsenal of high-flying moves. I just thought they could have executed, well, Osprey specifically could have been more consistent with that. And there were some, again, really creative spots here. I like the Oz cutter into the sling blade, which is a cool idea. Tanahashi got his leg caught under him a little bit, but then there was another one later on in the match where there was a Stormbreaker counting into the spring sling blade, which I thought was really great. Very, very cool spot. And then there was a bit where Tanahashi was doing his fist pump and then Osprey just nailed him in the face with a hook kick. And then we got the flying Oz cutter. I just thought, again, my criticisms about the selling aside, it was a terrific match. And it felt like a, a big moment for Osprey. And I know Tanahashi's taken a lot of losses. He, he has lost a few matches to juniors in the past. He lost to Prince Devitt a couple of times. He was a junior back then. But I just felt given the stage and the venue that this felt like a really big win. And Osprey looked like a guy who has future IWGP heavyweight champion written all over him. I'm glad you closed with that because to me, this match felt like this was Tanahashi saying, okay, I'm going to let you into a little exclusive club. And that exclusive club is whether, not whether you win this title, it's we're going to work a match and a style, and we're going to incorporate some of your stuff, right? But we're going to work this match and style as if we were big boys and we were uh, in that rare air of guys where I work this epic style of pro wrestling with, right? And there's certainly you can count on one hand the amount of people that Tanahashi has worked that style with, right? And, and given that style too, and will working that style uh, ever in his career, right? Will has had big time matches, and Will has had uh, those those heavyweight opponents. But I really can't put my finger on a time when, and maybe Okada, right? Maybe you can tip. But even then, it didn't feel like it was this kind of style match, even with Okada. It felt different. Um, this felt like almost Tanahashi saying, okay, here's... Here's how we do these kind of matches so that you can learn this 
so that we could take this to the next level for you when you are needed and uh, asked upon to be that guy. Does that make any sense? Again, a big-time difference between working the uh, Okada match and this one. This, to me, felt like it was Tanahashi sharing, okay, here's how you do this. And I think it worked perfectly. And I think it was magical that he did get the win. And I, and and for his career, um, getting a pinfall over a guy like Tanahashi. And you're right, Tanahashi's taken some falls, no doubt, right? Uh, and he's going to be taking more, no doubt. But to me, it was more of Tanahashi showing Will, here's how it's done in in this on this stage and in this spotlight as a as just Tanahashi beat a made guy. That's that's what I got out of this match. Yeah, definitely. I don't want to go as far as to say passing of the torch because I think that's no. thrown around too easily these right. days. But it did feel very significant. Yeah, it felt like this. He, that will went to school. That that really was was when I when that the pin again the rub all that. You're right. I don't think this was a passing of a torch. I think this was will. Going to a master class and learning. Ah, here, here's how you put on a main event. Here's a, in an epic way that draws money and gets people invested, and all of that. It felt like Will went to school. Match before that was Kenta um, losing to Zack Saber Jr. in 16 minutes 26. With uh, what it says on the website is a ZSJ style armbar. I really enjoyed this statement. I love the Dai Senpai thing that was going on. Classic striker versus grappler battle. And we had Kenta healing it up, riling up the crowd as he's doing so brilliantly in this G1. Zach getting very angry, going after Kenta's bad shoulder. And just incredible reactions from the crowd for Zach, just repeatedly twisting Kenta's shoulder in the early moments of this match. And I also like the fact that Kenta didn't easily give up his limbs when Zach was trying to grab an extra arm or a leg. Sometimes people just like... They willingly offer him their wrist or, or their leg or whatever, but Kenta made him work for it. And it's just always fun to watch when Zach gets dragged into the striking exchanges. It, and he, his face, he just gets redder and redder. And then we had a tremendous battle between the forearms and European uppercuts. And I just love that the, the combo that Zach does with the Pele kick to the arm and then the sweep and the PK. It just, it just really works for me. I love the dynamics of it. And of course, who doesn't love Kenta slapping the shit out of people? Great submission reversal sequence at the end with the game over against Zach's chain of submissions. And the story seemed to be that Zach played Kenta's game with the striking, but then Kenta played Zach's game and ultimately lost. And I thought the finish was really cool where the G2S was counting into the, the guillotine and the triangle, which led to the finish and the bad shoulder that had been cranked. Zach had been working on it the whole match. Uh, I did have some qualms about Kenta losing at Budokan Hall, given all the history that he's got there, but they were alleviated uh, at the finals with his big bullet club angle. And I just thought this match was great. Yeah, loved it. I thought these these three matches, like I said, just having these back-to-back-to-back, I, I, I thought it was one of the better G1 nights. And that's saying something because most nights were, had something really awesome, at least one match. This was, I felt like three right in a row that were just great. Yeah, this and this might have been one of my favorite Zach matches too, uh, for all the reasons that you described. And yeah, there there was a moment where it was like, ah, it would have been nice to see Kenta get the get that, but 
know, in Budokan, but no, I think the angle, and I think, again, where it was and how it occurred, that, that kind of makes things a little bit sweet, uh, just to give Kenta that, that uh, I don't want to say rub, that's not the word I'm looking for, I would say uh, the kickstart, take advantage of his, of his uh, positioning with the company, and the fan or lack thereof support, so great match, as always, with Zach. But maybe even uh, even a little bit special given the circumstances and the venue and all that. So, yeah, I thought this was a, this was one of my favorite nights, and I was in the fours for this one as well. We have bad luck, Farley defeating Sonata in ten minutes thirty eight with an inside cradle. <laughs> what the fuck was this? Uh, well, <laughs> well, one of the most remarkable things was the crowd going absolutely nuts for Sonata, particularly when he's doing his uh, pescado spots. They love him. He's a star in Japan. And I think we can't really emphasize that enough. You know, all the criticism that he gets from certain circles in the West. This guy is massively over with uh, the home fans. And just the sound from the crowd when Farley did that inside cradle is just unbelievable. And uh, I thought this was quite a good match. It was one of Farley's better matches. And I find this gimmick that they've got from him being this like crafty uh wrestler with his like tricky pinning combinations is really really funny i, I thought this was all right okay okay i understand and yes from from a humor perspective and a, and, a, and a what the fuck they did it again perspective yes i get it explain to me the logic of having sonata pin okada and then look like a fucking like a boob getting rolled up by bad luck folly help me understand why we would do this i can't I can't defend that. I can't. Can, no. I, don't, I don't know what to say to you. I, all I will say is this. At least it, it's, it's a step up from uh, all the disqualifications from his run last year. But yeah, you'd think... Uh, we, when we did our preview for this, I said that it would have been fitting for Sonata to get a clean pin over Fale to give him some momentum um, to solidify his push that he's a guy who can go out and pin a giant like Fale with his, uh, his finisher. But no, he's... <laughs> Inside cradle by a, boob. Uh, a massive, uh, <laughs> yeah. right? A seven hundred pound guy rolling him up. Come, come on! Does that make any sense to anybody? You just had him. You just had a guy like night ago pin your world champion, and and what would it? And what harm would it have been for Fale to take a fall here? I mean. Be creative. I don't give a shit. Have him fucking get hit with something, screw up, and uh, who cares? I, I I could not believe what I was seeing. Could not fucking believe. Look, for all the praise we give New Japan for booking out this G1 and and keeping people strong and and you know, even though that people have to lose and still finding ways to to make people look good and like this, this was one of those moments where you're just like, I, I, I got nothing. I don't know why we would do this, but they did it, and holy fucking shit! Yes, it, it is. I love the idea of 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 it being Folly being this guy with with the 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 day two pro wrestling school moves. But man, to have it happen on Sonata just literally days after he just beat the world champion, that is the total fucking head scratcher for me. And the opening block match was Lance Archer defeating Evil in 10 minutes, 2 seconds with the EBD claw. 
I love this match. I thought it was great. I thought it was a fitting end to both guys, stellar G1s. And there were just some really cool spots here, like when Evil tried to do his usual thing where he tosses the other guy's leg and the referee grabs it. But, you know, he shoved it so hard and Archer so big and powerful that it just sent the ref flying. I thought that was a really creative touch. And it just seems to me Archer has made himself into a massive star in this G1 uh, the EBD claw, which we thought was a bit goofy at the start, it's incredibly over. And Evil sold it like absolute death with his legs kicking. It looks like he was dying. And I mean, from what I hear, Lance Archer does not have a contract and they need to get him on Sharpish because if they don't, he is going to be going to other promotions and that will be a tremendous shame. It would be. They have, they have a commodity that they, they help make. Um, sad part about it is, is that they've always had him and they just never gave him the opportunity. Um, yeah, I mean, what's really amazing is that even today, as we sit here and do a show and other people who talk about pro wrestling and specifically the G1, Archer's name always comes up as like a guy who's made, you know, the most of his opportunities, even with everything else that has been great and, 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 and in a block where he could easily be overshadowed, right? And even in Block B, where there's a lot of you know stuff going down, that you know Archer's name is always in that mix of. And don't forget about Lance Archer, who's had a great tour. You know, that's saying something. Yeah, there is there's a lot of uh, not a lot, but I think uh, I think Joe Lanza had actually mentioned that there was um, interest in other places in Lance. And yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised at that. Why why, why wouldn't you at this point? But again. I just find it amazing that there's probably lots of other guys that are just like Lance Archer who just need a shot and just need an opportunity um, to to make you know to make it to to break out and make a name and and do something for their career if given the opportunity. So, a I applaud Lance for for taking advantage of the opportunity and doing everything he can to to catapult his career and jumpstart it. But I also kind of do give New Japan credit too because they said, okay, we're going to give you that shot to do exactly that uh, and the opportunity and the platform. So uh, great job by both. Now let's not waste that and let's get Lance locked down for a little bit of a commitment. And uh, that wouldn't be hard to do because I think he would sign tomorrow. So overall then, big disappointment with the Naito thing, but there's so much to be excited about. And this is what I love about New Japan because, you know, they they taketh away, but then they giveth. And just so many things that I'm hyped for, like heavyweight Shingo, uh, the, the next chapter of Juice Robinson against John Moxley, more of King's Road Taichi, uh, Osprey continuing his wrestler of the year challenge, uh, Ryza Sanada, Kenta in the Bullet Club, um, Ibushi becoming the next babyface ace of the company, Shibata's possible return, and and uh, don't forget there's a certain ticking time bomb waiting in the wings. And mm-hmm. this, Damon, this is why I keep coming back. Yeah, I mean, you just off the top of your head just rattled off great storyline after great storyline after great storyline, great performances, great programs to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, look, G1 is over. And G1 is a fucking fun ride every year. I, I hope the people that this is their first one, they're, they're on board for the rest of their lives. For the people where this is old hat and it's, and it's you know, 
still, but it's still exciting as ever. You know, we're we're in for the ride too. So, uh, I'm glad I get to do a podcast and talk about this. You know what I mean? I am glad I get to wake up every morning and turn on a TV and watch some of the best pro wrestling in on planet Earth. So, uh, great job, great job. Listen, great job by everybody in the ring. Great job by the promotion. Great job for stringing us along. Great job by you guys listening to this show each and every week uh, and bonus and all those. Great job by Kevin Kelly, Chris, and Rocky for 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 giving us play by play each and every night. That's got to be exhausting, you know. And I, I, you know what? I felt bad. I had a little tear in my eye listening to Kevin Kelly talk about how he's going to go home. He's going to you know do the birthday thing with the misses and see his kids for the first time in a fucking month. That's that takes a lot of toll on a family. So great job, everybody. Wonderful. Uh, it's over. We get to go into uh, post-G1 depression a little bit, but with all those stories that Joel just outlined, uh, we're in for a good fall in autumn. And then as we open the show with, on to Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, so forgive me for having a shorter show this week. Um, it is the first day of school tomorrow, so the kids are coming back. So I've got a lot of work to do, and <laughs> with all the excitement of the G1 finals, it's a bit of an afterthought, so um, I've got plenty to be getting on with. So please, we do have your questions, and we will be inviting your questions for our episode next weekend, where we have had time to reflect and digest on the G1 and uh, answer any lingering questions you have about the fallout. So uh, please do join our Discord, because it's just growing and growing each week, and I think the discussions on there are absolutely tremendous, and you know, we're getting some exciting people joining and it's just a lot of fun to to be there, especially watching events live and talking to other like-minded people as they happen. So you can find the link to that in the show notes. Uh, visit our Pro Wrestling Tees store, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash superjcast. Massive thank you to editor Dan uh, to visit his Twitter, please, at Escape the Box UK. Exciting stuff coming from him. Subscribe to Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Give us a five snake review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at superjcast. Thank you everyone for listening and goodbye.